This is the Lightning Junkies podcast with your host, Chaz. On this week's episode of the podcast, we have Nicholas Berté, and we're talking about Bitcoin Beach, Galoi Wallet, Circular Economies, El Salvador, and all kinds of good stuff. Before that, a message from your friends at the Lightning Junkies podcast. We try to keep this podcast as bullshit-free as possible. We try to avoid advertisements and don't waste your time when we can help it. We'd ask that you consider supporting what we do. You'd support both Chaz and Kat in their Bitcoin Lightning journey. The easiest way to support us is by listening to us on Breeze Wallet or any of the other value-for-value apps at newpodcastapps.com. For other ways to support the podcast, please visit lightningjunkies.net forward slash support. There you will find the places to listen to the podcast as well as ways to support us with Bitcoin over the Lightning Network. Help keep this podcast ad-free and support us today. Now on with the rodeo. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good, thank you. Absolutely. You know, I kind of feel bad that I didn't get you on sooner. It feels like, you know, the El Salvador news is like a thousand years old now at this point. <laughs> but it, but in reality, it's only like two months old. That only happened at the beginning of June, that being revealed. And so, you know, a lot of things might have changed in the last two months. Uh, maybe not that much, but, you know, enough for you to have something to tell me. But uh, before we launch into all of that, I wanted to kind of just get a you know more basic start here and just ask you know how you got into Bitcoin, how you got into being interested in the Lightning Network, and all that. Yeah, so I got into the Bitcoin space in 2019. Uh, prior to that, I was working on another cryptocurrency. So I, I, I really went to my blockchain journey from a, a technical standpoint. So I have a, you know, mathematics image processing background. I start the first company in the VR space in uh, that one from 2012 to 2017. And in 2017, I, and so we were developing software for VR uh, with my first company, and we were developing software on GPUs. And something weird happened in 2017 for the price of GPU. Instead of you know going down from like $200 to $150 over the course of the year, like the price actually for GPU was increasing over the year. Uh, the reason being there was, you know, all these miners that were buying all the GPU available for Ethereum. And this is how I got into this, this space initially. I, I had a spare GPU at home, so I just, you know, plug it and try to see, okay, let's, let's try to understand what this is. This thing is like, it sounds weird. And so uh, initially for the first like two years, I, I went to the, the rabbit hole of like what Ethereum was and uh, ultimately ended up, you know, working with a project that we create uh, an alternative to Ethereum. And I really approach this from a, from a tech standpoint. And I believe from a, if you only consider the technology part, you know, there's a lot of interesting things happening there. But during my journey, I also learned about the economics side of things. And this is where I understand that actually, if you really, you know, you need to have both, I believe, knowledge, both the tech and, and the economics to really understand what Bitcoin is. But as I start to understand the economic piece, you know, I understood that Bitcoin was a thing, right? Yeah. Bitcoin is a sound money. And this is a thing I wanted to work on as an entrepreneur. You know, I, I think the other protocol have to some extent some value to bring, but, you know, it's nothing compared to sound money and, and sound money is Bitcoin. 
And so I, I, I quit my, what I was doing at the time and say, okay, let's try to do something in the Bitcoin space. And this is how I decided to work on, on Lightning in 2019. It's uh, pretty interesting because I've had quite a few guests on the podcast that started, you know, I mean, before they were into Bitcoin, they were into VR in some way. Are you still into VR or has that gone, you know, completely by the wayside? I'm, I'm no longer really actively looking into what's happening in the VR space. And part of this is so I, I was part of the like the hype cycle in the VR space that went from maybe 2014 to 2016. And that was a very exciting experience for me. Uh, but it's also like I, I put so much work in, you know, in my first company and I had to shut it down in 2017. And I was like, okay, I spent like six years in my life in the VR space and you know, the the conclusion on my side was not, you know, uh, the easiest to, to swallow, I guess, uh, because I had to shut down the company. I, I, I quitted six years prior because VR didn't took off at the time. And so this is when I said, you know what, I want to change, you know, industry. I want to go somewhere else. And this is where I was into this, like, you know, blockchain web it all. And so I, I know that VR is getting a bit more traction today, but still not what, you know, um, like still, still not enough to have you know, like a real industry yet behind it. Um, I'm only following it from, from far away, but I believe maybe there is a common pattern between VR and, and lightning, which is like frontier technology. So when I started working in the VR space, it was in 2012, which was, you know, very, very, very early to work on VR, right? Um, and probably the pattern here is that, you know, working on Lightning, you know, like two, two years ago was also very, very early. I mean, there was, on my side, it was clear that Lightning will become something big, um, but it was not a shared opinion between, even between Bitcoiners, it was not, not a lot of people had this in mind two years ago. So, yeah, you make a good point that VR and, you know, Bitcoin slash Lightning, maybe Lightning more specifically, are very similar in that respect. and maybe. People get too uh, kind of buy into the the hype a little too easily. They assume that everything's going to happen tomorrow, kind of thing. Um, so I would assume in 2012, you mainly had you know the Oculus DK1, the first development kit, and you didn't have much else. But like people assumed, you know, tomorrow that VR was going to take over the world, and I think it's almost the same idea enlightening uh you know a couple of years ago even people were like oh man this thing is actually starting to work now it's you know in two years this thing is going to own the planet and you know obviously we're not owning the planet quite yet we're obviously making some good strides here but yeah it just seems like you know it's very easy for people in vr and people in you know bitcoin and maybe crypto generally to just get overly excited about what they're working on or what they're into this is what it is when you work on frontier technology is that, you know, it's like you live in your own bubble to some extent, right? You have a vision for the future that is uh, not shared by a lot of people, uh, but you, you believe into it. And, and the power of technology is that when something gets traction today, like it can go quickly. And, you know, there is a question on, in the lightning space, right? Like, I mean, I, I'm very bullish about it, but when is a tipping point where suddenly there is this network effect that makes, um, you know, that would bring a billion 
user into Lightning, when is this tipping point? You know, I don't know. Is El Salvador the tipping point? Maybe. Uh, maybe after El Salvador, you know, in a couple of months, there will be another country and another country that say, hey, you know what? I think that's the feature and we want to get into it. And this will be the tipping point. We don't know. And, and we don't necessarily control it, right? We can try to influence it and try to... The more entrepreneurs there will be in the space, you know, the more likely this may happen because there will be more resources, there will be better tooling, there will be better wallets. Um, and maybe there will be more wallets, you know, in different countries. And this is something that will create the network effect. But um, yeah, one of the challenges with frontier technologies, you don't know, right, when, when, is a, when will scale happen. The, the kind of question that kind of hits my head here is, in VR right now, you know, the, the pioneers of the space is basically Facebook, unfortunately, Facebook and Valve mainly. Um, and I, I think in, in Bitcoin and Lightning, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite. You know, we do have our corporate, uh, you know, entities in the space, but it seems like the majority of the innovation and, you know, the, the fun stuff, as, as it were, is is coming from more of the kind of ground level of like the uh, grassroots level. Would you agree with that? I think so. Uh, so I have a funny story to tell here. Like, so yesterday I met someone in El Zonte that was actually working for Facebook, um, and you know they want to check what's happening in, in El Salvador currently, and you know they, uh, it, it's possible. You know they will. Think this is a good payment technology and maybe you know go forward to it uh, and so i i think you know things are moving fast uh you know that say yes I, I believe today it's more the the grassroots movement you know it's more a lot of passionate people working on it you know in their individual capacity uh, uh, mostly or you know small small startup it's not the big company working on it but when you think about it and this is some of the discussion i had yesterday with this person from facebook is that um you know, if you think about the Libra, you know, the way or, or the way Facebook will have to roll out a, a payment software, like they will have to be regulated wherever they launch just because Facebook is so big or, you know, or um, it will be the same for Apple or for Microsoft or, you know, Google. Like they, they're too big to just, you know, experiment and in, in a sandbox environment. Um, but when you're a small startup or when you're an individual, you can, you know, experiment. And, and this is why I believe it's, it's great that, you know, it, it started as a grassroots movement. And I can even compare it, you know, uh, what's happening in El Salvador currently. It starts as a bottom-up movement, meaning it really started in El Zonte like uh, two years ago. Some crazy people say, hey, you know, let's, let's try to get a local economy in, in Bitcoin here, in, in Bitcoin Beach. And from a bottom-up movement, it eventually came up as a top-down movement where now the government say, hey, you know what? This is cool what's happening here. Let's make it, um, let's make it a law and let's mandate it, right? Uh, which, is, which is quite extreme and we'll see how this plays out. But, um, you know, the, the two eventually, you know, can converge at some point. How about in, in your case, like you kind of got into Bitcoin as the sound money aspect. How did you kind of uh, run with that? You know, what was your, the, the project company that you kind of started there? You know, when I was thinking about, okay, I want to be in the Bitcoin space, what should I do? I initially think about um, doing a, like a, a Bitcoin banking services, like a, a, a Bitcoin wallet uh, using Lightning, but really start in the US. 
and I was thinking how, okay, you know, how to launch it in the US. Let's, uh, I, I, I dive into the regulation aspect. And then I realized that, you know, I, I think lightning will not start in the US because it's, um, in the US, you know, most people have electronic payments. It kind of works. You know, it's not perfect, but um, you can just use your credit card, debit card, pretty much everywhere. Uh, and so it was hard for me to see how to scale this in the US, specifically if you work on Lightning. I, mean, I guess, you know, if you're in the US, you will probably work more on the store value aspect of Bitcoin. And, you know, it's more like a brokerage type of application where you know you can you can buy bitcoin and you can store it and but but you don't use it you know you just like buy and store it and hold it but i really wanted to work on the payment part so uh, after some time i was thinking you know maybe the us is not a white place and so this is like we are like end of 2019 early 2020 and so i was thinking about i should find another place you know another country where i could experiment with not the regulatory burden that we have in the us and this is how I come to El Salvador. Um, this is why I decided to say, okay, you know, this project in Beacon Beach is very interesting. Um, they currently use a wallet of Satoshi to run their transaction. But as a result of that, you know, they don't really know what's happening in the ground. They, when there is support question or, you know, if someone is losing access to his wallet, like, you know, they cannot really support on the ground, like the, the, the community because, you know, they're, they're not part of, you know, the Wallet of Satoshi um, initiative. And so my thinking was, hey, you know, I can help you. I can, we can make a proof of concept and I, I can do a wallet for you and we see how it goes. Right? And this is really how it started. Obviously, it was, it was probably not going to be possible to onboard each person to the Lightning Network, you know, quote unquote, the normal way or like the, like the straightforward way where you open channels and you think about channels and you do all this kind of more tedious tasks. What was the like philosophy behind your approach here? Yeah, initially when I experiment, I, I experiment with a non-custodial wallet on Lightning. You know, you can think of the Breeze model or you know, Moon model uh, that we have currently. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's hard to scale this. Maybe, you know, Bitcoin will become more efficient and Schnorr will help. And, CTV will help, but my, my thinking was like, if we want to, you know, bring a lot of people into Lightning, we'll have eventually to share channels. And so, you know, and, and I think custodial wallets or shared custody wallets, which is what we do, um, you know, will be part of the scaling solution. And so what we do today is we have, um, it, it looked like a, a bit like an exchange maybe where we have a, a Lightning wallet which is where the funds are to transact. You know, it's a hot wallet. We also have cold storage. And on the cold storage side, we have a multi-sig and the keys are shared within the community. So, um, and which is something that you can do only on Bitcoin, you know, which is, I think, very interesting. You know, you could not do it with fiat money. You cannot say, hey, we have, a, you know, five of, out of nine keys and like, uh, you know, you, you need this five key to use the money from the cold storage. You, you cannot do that on chain. Uh, so yeah, on, on the fiat money system. Basically, it's set up as like a large Uncle Jim system where you're able to kind of do a good amount of the heavy lifting on the back end. But you also have this kind of less trusted system, I guess, because you have this kind of multi-sig on the back end. 
Yeah, yeah, the encoding is a good model for this. I mean, you know, currently there is 30,000 users using this wallet. Uh, so, like, I think we passed the stage of the encoding, right? But, but maybe it's like, uh, you know, you have the, okay, the non-custodial wallet, right? And maybe you have the encoding modem that may scale to 10 people, 20 people, maybe. And currently you also have the, you know, the exchange model that's, you know, they're, they're trying to attract as much customer as they can, right? Like they're trying to having 1 million, 5 million, 50 million. And they're really trying to concentrate as, you know, as much uh, fund as they can, because this is how they can become profitable, right? Is if they have a lot of users. Uh, here it's uh, something in, in between. The idea is first we are open source. And so like everything we do can be replicated by any other community. And the idea that we have is that, you know, instead of having these like large exchanges around the world that, you know, maybe there is five, 10 of them, um, we could have maybe thousands of, you know, small union bank, you know, that they, in their own country, they manage, you know, maybe 10,000, you know, the, the fund for 10,000 people, maybe, you know, a million people, but not, not hundred million people. Uh, and this is really how we're thinking about it, right? It's like, we lower the barrier to entry for anyone to create it because it's open source. And so anyone can fork it and have their own, you know, Bitcoin Beach wallet if they want in their own country. And so, you know, the cost to create uh, uh, this wallet, you know, is going to zero, basically. And uh, and this is how we, you know, the way I'm thinking about it is creating a new category of wallet, right? Uh, the one that is very similar to a union bank uh, in the US, for instance. Just to make sure I understand what's going on here, is Galois and Beach, uh, Bitcoin Beach Wallet the same, or am I misunderstanding? It's linked, but it's not the same. Uh, you can see as Galois is a software company that is developing open source software. Our goal is to do Bitcoin open source Bitcoin banking services. And Bitcoin Beach Wallet is the first deployment of what we do at Galois. When you started this company, when you kind of built out the, the software, um, what was the local reception like down there? Was it like a hard sell at the beginning? What was it like? No, it was it was not a uh, it was fairly f- fairly smooth, I, I believe. <laughs> so you know the way it started in, in in Bitcoin Beach is there is a donor that donates you know a couple of BTC, and so initially there were some everybody in the in the village, so it's a 3,000 uh, people village. Everybody received, you know, 10, 20 dollars in Bitcoin, and so you know it was their first exposure to to Bitcoin. What's interesting is because they receive it for free, like it really had no value, um, you know, to their mind. Like it's something that okay, sure, I thank you, you give me a gift, I'm I'm going to sell it for dollar and, and use it to do something. Um, and so it's it's an interesting way to you know get exposure to the people to Bitcoin, but it's not the way in their mind that because it's, they give it for free, like they don't associate, yeah, they, they don't see Bitcoin as something valuable, um, which is something interesting to think about. But, but then the, you know, the, I guess the idea was to employ people to do something, uh, like clean the beach or you know, some activity like that uh, and get them paid in Bitcoin. Um, and it's a much, much more effective solution because no, it's like, okay, you know, they receive their salary in, in this new money and, and, you know, they, they see more value of, out of it. And so on our side, like it was, you know, deploying the wallet was not necessarily a hard sell because, you know, they, they receive money from it. And so like, it's, uh, there was not too much question about it. 
I guess maybe it was it was a bit more um, uh, like a time on education is on the merchant, you know, because okay, I know you have people that have you know consumers that have money in, the, in their wallet, but uh, if they cannot spend it anywhere, like it's uh, it's you know it's not great, right? Like because the only thing they can do is go to the ATM and, and cash it for for US US dollar. And so the next step maybe was it was which took longer is like try to convert the merchant to accept uh, lightning. Uh, and it's a process that takes time and, you know, there is a network effect to it. So I guess the first 20 was hardest and after it was easier because they see, the merchant sees that, okay, like my neighborhood, you know, he, he has this big sign, like maybe I should pay attention to this. And there is all these people that get paid in, in, in Bitcoin. And, you know, if, if I don't accept this money, like maybe I'm losing some business, but it, it takes a bit of time to get there. So right now you're basically addressing the idea of building a circular economy. That's definitely been something that I think Bitcoiners have been, you know, trying to make happen for years and years at this point. I'm not aware. I mean, I think there's pockets that have existed in places like Europe and stuff where this has happened. But I think this might be like the biggest version of a kind of circular economy where people aren't just engaging in like novelty of like, I live in the Western world, I'm getting paid in Bitcoin, do I really need to get paid in Bitcoin? Is it going to be that transformative for me? Probably not compared to someone in El Salvador, for example. But um, do you think that there has been a lot of uh, resistance that like, you know, when maybe you're presenting this to people like, I feel in my personal experience and trying to onboard people in the United States, obviously a, a different ballpark, but you know, when I tried to onboard them, they're like, why should I care? You know, this, this magical internet money, it sounds cool for you, Chaz, but for me, I'm just going to stay sick with dollars. I, I can't wrap my, my head around it too much work, whatever. Do you get much of that? Yeah. So what you can say is like uh, on my side, uh, I probably have a comfortable position that I'm working more on the software side of things more than, you know, going door, door to door and trying to convince, you know, those merchants. Um, you know, this is the hard work of the people in the ground here and like Jorge and Chingbear and the, the team around it, the team that they built. Uh, and they are the ones that, you know, having to do all the hard sell. Like, um, so on my side, you know, I'm trying to describe the experience that they had, right? But it, it's not something that I had to do really, really myself, like convince those merchants. Um, so I guess it's something I, I wanted to highlight. You know, that says, so in, in, in San Salvador, something to have in mind is that 70% of the population, they don't have a bank account. They are, they, they're not part of the financial system. What it means is they have to rely on cash. And so cash have a lot of great property. Um, you know, it's private, it's instant finality. But one of the properties that cash doesn't have is like it, you cannot pay someone remotely, for instance. And, and here by letting them to use a lightning wallet, suddenly they discover what you will have in, in the US or in Europe with PayPal and, or Vemo or Cash App or any of the solutions that, you know, you can send money to anyone instantly. Uh, there is no such solution here in, in El Salvador for the people that don't have a bank account. And so it's really, for them, it's transformative, right? Uh, and so um, this is also why I think, you know, they, they get to use it. Is because it's it, it's not a nice to have like it would be in, in in the US. Like here, it's really okay. Suddenly they can send you know money to someone in 
if they are, if they are in Exonte, they can send, send money someone in San Salvador in the capital city. And instead of, instead of driving there, you know, to pay their bill and to spend one hour, you know, going there, uh, like they just send money electronically and, you know, it saves them half a day, um, to pay their bill. And so this is a reason to, of course, adopt this new technology, right? Uh, and it's also why, you know, I, I was thinking about, hey, should I launch in the US or should I go elsewhere? And I ultimately decided that innovation in the lightning space might not start in the US. The question I'm thinking of here is you kind of have, you know, Bitcoin Beach. We have this legal tender situation, which seems very complicated. But I've, I've seen numbers that say that the Internet penetration in El Salvador is like 50%. The mobile phone uh, penetration is like 125% or something like that. Would you say that presents a problem that, you know, half the population doesn't have internet and they have to rely on cell phones? This is not necessarily what I'm seeing in, at least in El Zonte. Some people don't have smartphones, but on average they do. And so I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I mean, I, I, spend most of my time when I am in El Salvador in El Zonte um, and sometime in the capital city, but I, I don't have a strong opinion on this. You know, what I see is that people have smartphone overall uh, where, you know, in the place I've spent some time on. So there might be some other area when they, which are less developed. Maybe people don't have, you know, easy internet access, but this is not what I've seen at least in El Zonte. Like I mentioned, you know, the uh, big announcement of the legal tender thing happened in early June. Have you seen much change in the last two months? Have you seen like an acceleration of, you know, things happening? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, question about what will happen next month, like uh, as the law become effective. Uh, what we see on our side in the wallet, like is we had a spike of user registration on the wallet, like in June, like dramatic spike of more than 10x overnight. We now have about 30,000 users using the Bitcoin Beach wallet, uh, which is great. You know, I think in July things have slowed down and now it's like there is everybody here is in the wait and see period what will happen in, in September. Um, for sure, I, I know that the Larger enterprise, you know, mid to large enterprise, they will not be ready to accept Lightning anytime soon. The reason being, today there is no easy solution to integrate Lightning payment if you have an ERP system, right? If you have a, if if, if today you accept, you know, maybe Visa or if you uh, accept some ACH payment, um, like there is not a, you know, you click on a box and you have a Lightning, you know, payment so you can accept. It's also because the tooling is not here today. Like we need to, uh, as a Lightning community, we need to build solution for merchants, you know, large merchants and larger enterprise to integrate Bitcoin and Lightning into, you know, a larger payment system. And so far, you know, it's people need to build that, right? And we're, we're working on that. And I know other companies are working on that, but it will take time before the solution are, are here. And so for, for me, like in September, it will be probably a lot of small merchants will start accepting Lightning. The ones that, you know, when there is only one or two people working um, in a company, because you can just open, a, you know, a, a Lightning wallet, a, any Lightning wallet, and you have the same, basically, usage as you will have from a consumer standpoint, right? You don't need a different wallet. You don't need an API access. 
And so uh, I believe a, a lot of a lot will start with more the, the small merchant, I believe. Um, another question mark is what will happen on the Tiva wallet? So the wallet for the government. So the government still have to give details about how this is going to work. Um, we have had a presentation from Bukele, the president, um, like a PowerPoint, a PowerPoint presentation, uh, you know, five, six weeks ago that highlights some of the details. But since then, there has been no, no further insights. So anyone in the Lightning and Bitcoin community that who is in El Salvador is currently waiting for more guidance. Are you nervous about there being this kind of government wallet and that some large uh, portion of the population is just going to default to using the, the kind of government wallet? No, um, I think there will be plenty of options. Um, I, I, I'm not nervous about this at all. I think it's the, the free market may detect you know, what is the best wallet being used. And, um, but it's, uh, yeah, we'll see, right? Like um, how much traction the Tibo wallet have. It's possible, you know, like the government employee will be paid from the Tibo wallet at some point. And so there is... I believe 300,000 government employees. So it will be, you know, it's maybe the larger employer in the country. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so a lot of people with a two wallet, I believe. But as long as people can use other wallet, I think that's, that's, that's fair. But obviously, if, you know, 99% of the population use a two wallet, then, you know, is it really, uh, it, it might be something similar to the CBDC, right? Uh, like uh, on the sound money, but it's a, uh, the scenario that I guess many Bitcoiners would not be in favor of, but um, it's, it's not too much of concern on my side. I, I feel like if you had gone, you know, if you had gone back in time or just in a, a parallel universe or something, you know, you said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to choose Bitcoin Lightning. I'm going to choose Ethereum, let's say. I feel like you would be in a very different situation right now because you wouldn't have the kind of range of wallets that you can choose from. You have your wallet of Satoshi's, you have your moon wallet, you have your breeze, Phoenix, whatever, you know, many different non custodial wallets and some, you know, community wallets or custodial wallets. I can't think of any other cryptocurrency or any other system that could have been used that would have provided that level of user choice or user freedom, you know, let's say, oh man, this uh, Chivo wallet sucks. I'm, I'm stuck. Oh man. Oh wait, no, I'm not. I could choose these 10 other wallets and just withdraw my money and be fine. Would you agree with that kind of uh, thought process that it basically had to be Bitcoin Lightning? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not actively following, you know, what's happening in the other blockchain. So uh, I guess, you know, Bitcoin and Lightning is where there is most variety in terms of wallet, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess from my perspective, you know, maybe just looking at the, the biggest ones, like the biggest cryptocurrencies, like Ethereum, for example, they don't really have wallets that are non-custodial in the same way that uh, these wallets are. I'm sure some Ethereum fans going to you know, message me very angrily and correct me if I am wrong there. but. Um, that's what I think is true, that it's a very different uh, setup in a lot of the other cryptocurrencies that they just didn't want to go down this kind of harder path that would kind of give us these the, the optionality um, instead of it being where we're kind of centralized 
but don't worry about it. We have cool toys on top. So that's what you guys want, right? Yeah, well, one thing that I remember um, is the privacy aspect. So there is not too much, I guess, talk about privacy in the like in the Ethereum space, for instance. Um, there is like this DeFi website that work, you know, the TLV and how much money is locked in Spark contract and stuff. And like everything is apparent on chain and, you know, you can follow the worlds, you know, where they spend their money on and everything is, is extremely visible on chain. And, and it seems like everybody is fine with it for some reason in, in the Ethereum community. But if you want to have some money, like, you know, you need to have some level of privacy, I believe. Uh, for instance, this is something that Lightning is providing. And also just the Bitcoin system, you know, you're like using, you know, uh, instead of using an account system, uh, you have, you can have, each time you receive payment, it's on a different address, Bitcoin address, and like you, you have much better heuristic for, for privacy. And so this is one thing that come to mind that if you want really to use something as money, you know, you, you cannot cannot be exposed like every time to you do a transaction exposed to everybody, right? Um, and this is also like something very, I guess, particular to Lightning, like, you know, on Lightning today's graph, you see the public channels, but I believe there is more and more private channels. Like if you're just a, a user to the Lightning space, like why do you want to be in the graph, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And I believe all this, you know, new wallet coming, like you know, Eclair and Moon and Breeze and like their users are not, you know, part of the what's visible on the network, which I think is a great thing. Let's pretend that I am a, you know, Bitcoin Beach wallet user here, you know, and I know nothing about Bitcoin, know nothing about Lightning. And I asked you about the privacy of the wallet. What would you say? I would say, like, if you are looking for privacy, like, you know, you should use a, a non-custodial wallet, and, you know, with some focus on privacy, like... Uh, the way you think about Bitcoin Beach, you know, where we are, it's like, it's, it's a place where people have no, had no financial, you know, access before. And, you know, what, what matters to them is like easy UX. You know, some people are like, they cannot read, right? They, they are not only financial illiterate, but just illiterate too sometimes. And so, uh, you know, privacy for them is not uh, what's top on their mind. You know, they are like living not even paycheck to paycheck, but you know, like they are, have to work every day to pay for the food at the end of the day, right? And so, when you're in this situation, like you, you, you don't think about privacy. You, when when you, you start thinking about privacy, when you know other, you, you you already have you know financial access, and you know you're thinking, okay, like maybe you know privacy matters at this stage. But this is not the community we're working with. Not not, not what they need, I believe. When you have privacy, like, you know, you have to have some trade-off, like, you know, typically it's not as easy to use, you know, typically it has to be non-custodial, which means, you know, probably there is higher cost because you need to have your own UTXO, you need to open the channel yourself. If the, the cost of doing an on-chain transaction is $50 and $50 is what you earn in two or three days, like, you know, it's, it doesn't work very well. So, um, my, so my, my, my short answer, you know, like if you're looking for privacy, you like become rich right is not so worried for you. So basically my uh, question came from a place of financial privilege there a little bit, just like, what is it? The uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that uh, quite a few people in El Salvador are living on the level at which they, they are not concerned with privacy. They're not concerned with, with all the fancy stuff. They just want something that will work and will allow them to eat really. 
So obviously, um, a Lightning Network, as you mentioned before, we're kind of early. You know, things could still change quite a bit in the next decade. And, that, you know, there's like a lot of things coming that might change the experience that might make it easier to have, you know, certain kind of community-based constructs. One of those things could be things like channel factories. I'm I'm not sure if you've looked into any of these things, so I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot about anything too specific. Is there anything in the future of uh, Lightning that you're looking forward to that might improve the experience for all your users? Uh, yeah, there, there is multiple things. Um, I think one of the things that is most needed, so use Lightning as a network, but maybe not as a store of value, or like use Bitcoin as a store of value. Uh, what it means is, you know, stable channel. So like you, I, I receive some money on, I receive some sats um, over, over Lightning, but basically I really want dollar, like or I really want euros uh, because I, you know, if I'm a merchant, maybe I don't want to be subject to the volatility of uh, Bitcoin. And I think eventually you sh- should, right? Like, I mean, uh, but but if you're managing a business or if you have an expense, you know, you need to have... The, the, basic, the, the basic is having a checking account and a saving account, right? And, and your saving account, I think, should be Bitcoin, but maybe your checking account should be the same. You should, you should use the same unit of account as you know, as your expense. So if you're spending euros, you know, maybe you have to keep, you want to keep some euros to pay for your, you know, monthly bills. I believe one thing that is needed, and I mean, I know it's, it's working progress, right? But it's merging DLC with uh, Lightning um, in a way where you said, okay, you know, I, I receive, you know, 10,000 sets, but what I really want is 10 euros, 10 dollars. And so, and, and I want this $10 to stay $10, you know, in the next month, uh, wherever the price of Bitcoin goes. And this is something that is, um, is needed, um, to, to, to scale lightning. And this is actually what this Bitcoin law is in El Salvador, right? So, so it's, it's fairly clear that every economic agent here needs to be able to accept Bitcoin. But the way, you know, they are saying you need to accept it is because if you don't want Bitcoin, we will convert it for you in, in dollar, right? What this means is with the Lightning Network and maybe the Bitcoin Layer 1 Network as a way of sending and receiving money, but we don't use it as a store value, if that makes sense, right? And, and there is some nuance there. But today it's done in a way where, uh, you know, it's using exchanges and... Uh, which which is, which is great to get started, but I believe there is a way to use DLC that would be very uh, useful to to have. Would you say that that's something that you expect to be the case long term, or do you think that the circular economy would make it so you know I'm getting paid in Bitcoin, I'm paying for all my expenses in Bitcoin, I'm paying my employees in Bitcoin? Would that uh, kind of stable channel or stable, whatever, makes sense in that scenario at that point? I mean, it depends on whether, you know, hyper Bitcoinization is, you know, complete or not, right? Uh, <laughs> like today, you know, at the, so Gallo is, is a company, right? And we have, we have, um, we have developers, they, they are being paid in, most of them are being paid in Bitcoin today. Uh, you know, that said, the contract is not in Bitcoin, the contract is in dollar, right? So we calculate, okay, you know, this is X amount of dollar in Bitcoin. This is Y, and we send Y Bitcoin. But the, the unit of account for the contract is still dollar. 
And so I believe it it will be like this for a long time. Uh, I don't see using a unit of account in in BTC anytime soon. I mean, I I wish it would come at some point. Given the volatility, that is hard. You know, uh, uh, until you can both have your revenue and expense in BTC denominated assets and revenue, like uh, and expense, um, it, it's hard to have this assumption, right? Um, so you know, eventually we may be here in like in ten years. I don't know, five years. Um, but for the time being, and for for the foreseeable future, for sure, I think. Um, most people want to price their good in dollars and euros and not in BTC. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess I guess I would love to be paid in a set amount of BTC, but that's only because I assume it's going to go up. Not everyone has that same level of conviction there about that. So, um, And I think it's probably not fair to expect them to either. <laughs> yeah, and if you look at the cycle, right, you can, okay, sure, like in, in the... The next four years, you know, if, if you keep it, it's most likely being up in four years, right? But the thing is, if there is some odds that it go down, you know, 80% still in the next like two months, and, you know, you don't want a company to go bankrupt because, you know, it didn't have any enough US dollar at this point. Uh, so when you have liability as a, you know, as a company or even as an individual and like they are denominated in, in USD, like, uh, it's 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 hard to keep everything in in Bitcoin, right? Uh, even if you know and you think, and like there is a very very high likelihood that in four years it will be higher. Uh, if you know you need to manage your expenses in the meantime, right? So. I guess we're kind of reaching towards the end of the podcast here. The way that I like to kind of end out the shows is by trying to figure out a call to action to the audience that you know not to go buy something or anything, but to go do something to kind of support the network and to kind of give back because I think that's that's how we improve our network effects. That's how we build a bigger, stronger network, et cetera, et cetera. There's people all across the world that listen to this podcast, not to, you know, be too full of myself here, but I, I see the numbers. I, I know it is. So what would you say to people out there that are not in El Salvador that prop, like may not have the ability to go or you know just have a different life that they're living wherever they are? What can they do to start you know supporting from afar or by replicating what you guys did down there? The best way to help uh, on our side is like contribute to the wallet we have been building. So you know the. Bitcoin Beach Wallet is open source, is in the uh, Galloy Money repository on GitHub. And so if you're a developer or if you have some, uh, you know, QA expertise or something along this line where you can contribute, like, you know, go to GitHub and just, you know, there's like 150 tickets to grab from, you know, things to optimize on the wallet. So we need a, we need a lot more help on the, on the development side. Or, you know, do documentation or, you know, no API. Or, I mean, there, there is so many things that, you know, to be done on this side. This is where we need most help on, on our side. Yeah, if you're a developer, please, please reach out. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, like, if you, you know, way to help, uh, if you're not a developer, you know, if you cannot go to El Salvador. One thing I like, the idea I like is, okay, you can learn Spanish. You can, you know, hire someone here in, in El Salvador uh, to learn Spanish. Uh, you know, you pay him in SATs. You know, it's one way to f- make SATs flow into the into the country that is, you know, very convenient. You, you don't have to move here. So it's some, something I can recommend. 
Do you have any recommendations on how people could maybe replicate the the Bitcoin Beach kind of model and start building out their own circular economy kind of thing? There is so much thing to share, right, to be able to replicate the the, the Bitcoin Beach project. Um, that and I think we on our side we want to try to write some form of a white paper around it, like how you know the Bitcoin Beach history and. Um, it will take a bit of time to to do it, but it's something I'm I'm thinking of because it's a recurrent question. Uh, at least what I can say on the wallet side is that the Bitcoin Beach wallet is open source, you know, uh, as I was saying. And so basically, if you're you know a developer, you can just you know fork what we do and just launch it in your own country. You don't need our help. And this is what we want to see happen, right? Is that uh, and we see already some people, you know, starting to look into it. You know, it's like not easy to do uh, as of now. Like we're trying to improve this, but I think, you know, in, in Latin America, in other country or in, in, in Africa, you know, I would expect maybe four or five, you know, different wallets popping up in the next six months that will be, you know, uh, in a similar form as the Bitcoin Beach wallet. Um, I, I'm really excited about this, by the way. I think it's... Uh, this is how we can get the, you know, the network effect in, in, in Lightning is that if in any country, some, you know, developer, entrepreneurs that launch, uh, you know, that give access to Lightning to their own community, this is how these things can evolve exponentially in the next year or two. My uh, final two questions are going to be, the first one is going to be, can you give me a kind of um, negative or pessimistic outlook of the kind of future in El Salvador when it comes to, you know, Bitcoin, Lightning, Bitcoin Beach, all of that, um, you know, the kind of less positive path. And then my next question will be about the positive path. Yeah, um, something very interesting happening as a result of Bitcoin becoming low, and, you know, with the initiative pushed by the president of El Salvador Bukele is that no Bitcoin Bitcoin is politics, which is, you know, Bitcoin is, has been made to not being politic, right? Uh, Bitcoin is, is, is really apolitical, but no, in the country here, you know, some people will say, you, oh, you know what? I, I don't like the president, therefore I don't like his, his, I don't like Bitcoin, right? I don't want the money of the president, <laughs> which is very, you know, which makes sense when you think of it, but at the same time, it's, you know, Bitcoin has been created to be the opposite of that. So this is something very interesting to see. But as a result, some people, you know, like, yeah, they, they like big, eventually Bitcoin before, but now they're, on, they're not sure, right? They feel it's, it push on them and, um, and, and they don't like this necessarily. Could you give me like the, the positive outlook down there? I mean, it's, it's obvious, like it's, you know, for Bitcoin, like maybe this is the first domino to fall as a country and maybe many others will soon follow. And this is maybe the beginning of, you know, what as Bitcoiner we all think of, you know, the beginning of hyper Bitcoinization. So this is a, you know, if we can make it work and, you know, there is a big if here, like, you know, there's a lot of challenge ahead of getting 6 million people using Lightning in the next month or even the next year. There is so many tools that is needed that are not here yet that we need to, to develop. But if we can make it right, and uh, I think it's it's the beginning of something 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 huge for humanity. So yeah, I think it's let let's make it work, right? Uh, I would say. So that's pretty much the end of the show. There, do you want to let the listeners know how they can find you on the internet and uh, get in touch with you if they need to? On Twitter, Nicolas Berthe. All right, perfect, Nicholas. Well, uh, I want to thank you again. Boom. 
That was the 49th episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast. Hopefully we got a bit of an update of El Salvador here. As I'm sure most people know, the uh, law is going into effect tomorrow. So we'll see how things actually turn out. Just a general reminder that we also have a weekly, mostly weekly, uh, Lightning Network discussion on Twitter spaces called Lightning Friday. It is at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 8 p.m. UTC uh, every Friday as often as we possibly can. Sometimes we have a kind of very strict topic and sometimes we just do it off the cuff. The other hosts are Evan Kaludas and Justifer, and we all think that you should listen sometime. Just a quick reminder that Kat and I put do a lot of work to make this show happen. A lot of things happen behind the scenes that aren't evident in order to make things run as smoothly as possible. So please consider chipping in via Breeze Wallet or any of the other ways you can find at newpodcastapps.com or you can go to lightningjunkies.net forward slash support to find other ways to support us. All right, friends, that's all we have here at the end of the podcast. I will see y'all on the Lightning Network. Lightning Junkies.